Hello and welcome to The Lion's Den, a conversational show from Aslan's Place Ministry. I'm your host, Brian Cox. In this episode, Christy, Barbara, and I discuss a biblical perspective on burdens. I then share some key parts from our prayer to release burdens. So with that, let's enter the lion's den. Today we're going to talk about burdens. And I wanted to share with you a little story of how burdens impacted me in my life. And then we're going to lead into a prayer that we have regarding releasing burdens. Years ago, I had a computer service business. And I tell you, that business taught me a lot about God's power. There are times where that became ridiculously stressful with that. I tell you, there are times where I was helpless and felt helpless in what I could do with that business not only how to meet payroll, but how to respond in time to the customers who needed service from my employees. At any time, I had up to five employees at a time. And for those of you who have managed others or have had employees, you know that's a whole other adventure. One time, my employee, was pretty much my manager for our main office, he brought up a suggestion on a plan that was going to completely rearrange our business model and how we managed and actually administered the computer service. He was not surprised when I said no right away. And he actually shared something with me. He understood that something that I do is when he would propose something, he sees that I would immediately say no and then think about it, and then from time to time, say yes later. He knew that I had learned that it is much easier to say no and then bring a yes later than the opposite. I'm thinking many of you have been in those situations where you agreed or said yes to something and regretted it before too long. So that is one of those aspects where we take on burdens without even thinking about it. We just say yes, and next thing you know, we're overwhelmed. When we talk about burdens, it's always best to go to the Word of God to see what Jesus has to say about burdens and what we should do with them. So let's take a look then at a Bible verse or a Bible scripture, and that's Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. What I'm going to be doing is reading from the English Standard Version. In this passage, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is an awesome promise from Jesus, but we've learned something important connected and associated to this promise. In order for us to enjoy what Jesus is offering, that is a light burden, we have to get rid of everything else (laughs) that is weighing us down. I was wondering, Christy and Barbara, have you seen examples of that when we've when you've ministered to people either through Asens Place or Barbara with your ministry, or maybe in your own life? Have you seen that kind of example where you are somewhat, let's say, caught by surprise on how much you've taken on? Absolutely, and you know, putting it all down sometimes is easier said than done. 
So when it's a major issue in your life, let's just say one that I've had, which is breast cancer and other health issues, sometimes, you know, there's quite a, a struggle and a battle that goes on for a while to completely lay down problem and not try to own it or worry about what happens next. But when I'm praying with people, you know, the, the issues can be far reaching. They can be, you know, family uh, relationships, financial, health, anything that's happening in your life, the enemy can take hold of it and just really try to mess you up. And the more important, I think, that it is to you, the harder it is to lay it down. So when I'm praying with people, I always encourage them to release ownership of the problem. And for me, that has helped. And it's helped many of the people that I pray with. And just saying, okay, I'm not going to own this. I'm going to transfer ownership over to you, Lord. When they do that, it's often easier for them to let go of the worry and the pain and the regret and the what ifs and all of that stuff. But so just not owning, just dying to the problem is a big part of laying your burdens down, I believe. All right. I agree. Christy, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I could go right there with Barbara when it comes to the cancer situation. And I know, you know, something that I've always dealt with is I just, I don't even say this, the C word, you know, I won't own it. It's not who I am, but that's easier said than done a lot. You know, we all say we want to, we want to give it to the Lord, but there are honestly times where it's hard because you just don't, you don't know. And it's, that's, I think something we need to understand is, you know, it's understandable that we can't give up that, that easily, but when we really focus on the Lord and we really give it all to him, it's amazing how that peace just overcomes you and you just, it, it's just so much easier to just let him take ownership of it. That's for sure. And yeah, my goodness, when we talk about the medical struggles that both of you have been, have fought through, that's uh that takes the burdens to a whole other level besides what I'm talking about with the, with the financial, I think, but that actually leads me to another concept to bring up for a moment. When someone on the outside looks at, let's say, my individual problems or burdens, they may seem minuscule or they may seem tiny to someone else's. So I want to make a side point. I would say it's very important for us as members of the body of Christ to not try to judge, assess, or measure someone else's problems, burdens, or struggles. And that what does that do? That leads to us saying, well, things like get over it, or it's not that bad, or one of the worst, I should say, is it could be worse kind of statement. You know, those things are not helpful. And by the way, too, when someone's facing problems, if they share what they're fighting with or dealing with, offering advice is often not the right answer on how to solve the problem. We need to remember that many times, and I would say most of the time, the best response is, I'll pray for you. I, I agree with that 100%. But I think also something else that we need to remember is that 
we need to just listen. Sometimes people just need to get it off their chest. And I got to be honest, I mean, this may be harsh, but sometimes for me hearing, I'm going to pray for you, it isn't what I need to hear at that moment. I need to hear, I need someone just to listen and not tell me anything, but just, I think that for them to say that they're here for me, God's there for you. And that's what you need to focus on. So I, I think that sometimes people just need to listen and not, like you said, try to give advice. Gotcha. I, I hear you. I agree, Christy. Um, the listening is very important. And if you think about if you've ever been in any medical situation, maybe you've had surgery or maybe you've gone to the doctor and you have a terrible migraine or, or whatever it is, very often the nurse or the doctor or someone will come along and say, well, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is it? And even if somebody has just stubbed their toe versus broken their hip, their pain is very real. And the same is true for physical as it is for spiritual and emotional issues. And so we have to validate the fact that somebody is in pain and not try and talk them out of it, as you said, Brian. And Christy, you also mentioned, you know, just turning to the Lord. And what I often do with people is say, you know, I just don't have any easy answers, but I do know that the Lord can help. And can we pray about that? And let's just, as Christy also said, listen and see what he wants to say. And it's surprising how often when we stop and listen, he actually speaks and he actually does give direction. And, um, I was a hospice nurse for a number of years, and the, the reality of the need to just listen to people in their pain and to be there with them, even if there was nothing you could do but hold their hand, is just tremendous. I could say that for me, as a lifetime troubleshooter, <laughs> that was a lot of what my business was, that's something where I have to remind myself about is just because someone shares a problem doesn't mean they're asking you for the solution <laughs> or for advice on what to do to, to solve the problem. Now, having said that about not volunteering solutions, here in this conversation, though, I feel that we do need to bring up answers in the Bible. And I think this is an interesting component. When someone is face-to-face -face with a big struggle, and they're overwhelmed and need to, to share or simply talk, need someone to listen, Christy, like you mentioned, that is not the time for us to bombard them with a bunch of biblical facts, right? So that's not going to necessarily, I'm getting some nods from Christy off camera, that that's the time. Now, the, the biblical facts are still true, they're accurate, but the person's not in the mode to accept that. So I want to, though, share that foundational understanding from the Word of God so that when, God forbid, problems do come up, which, frankly, this is life, it doesn't have to be an attack from the enemy for us to have struggles, adventures, or for burdens to come up. But, but God gives us some directives, some understanding about how we can respond, and then receive God's help to move through that struggle. 
And that's what I want to continue sharing with us today. You know, when I'm bringing up this, the issues with the business, things became so bad with the business that I had no idea what to do to solve the problem. We weren't making payroll. Uh, things were getting bad behind on taxes. And I had no solution, but by golly, I could worry because at least worrying, stressing was doing something. Turned out that the issues with the business were the last thing on my mind when I went to bed and the first thing that happened when I woke up. And I really wasn't experiencing peace. I Sure, I might, might understand that I'm in, in Jesus Christ and that Jesus has peace for me, but I sure wasn't living that peace. That's where there is a hard pill to swallow that needs to come at me, for instance, with the business. And I needed to keep in mind another Bible verse so that I could rethink my attitude. That verse would be Matthew 6.27, for instance. That says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And it's like, whoa, that's a direct one. That Whenever we're stressing, when we're worrying, it feels like we're doing something, but it's not really having any kind of an impact. So if that's the case, then how are we supposed to respond when we become overwhelmed or when we've taken on more than we can handle? Sometimes that's a matter of us rethinking, well, okay, I'm in the middle of it now. God, I need your help. And then also saying, God, help me to understand how I can avoid entering the same situation or similar later on. Christy? One thing I want to point out is um, I was uh, sitting down with Janet Green one day, and I'll tell you, she just gave me the best advice ever. She, um, right before my surgery, I'll make this quick, but right before my surgery where I had, you know, my chest cracked and all that fun stuff done, um, I I was laying there, and it was, I hope I'm not going to get too yet. <laughs> I, was, um, I was laying there, and I was thinking, okay, God, if this is it, just take care of my kids, take care of my family. Da, da, da. And all of a sudden I felt this peace that just, I can never, it just overwhelmed me so much that it was just like, okay, I'm good. Thanks God. And it was just so incredible. And Jana had said, do you remember ever a time when we were talking one time of a time where you just felt at peace? And she said, Take that moment and always remember it. And when things get stressful, when things upset me and it's just too much for me to handle, I'll tap into that and I'll remember the peace that God gave me that day. And it's amazing how it just reminds me all over again. So I think some good advice would be what Jana gave me. And if there's ever a time in your life where you have felt just the peace of the Lord overwhelmingly just taking care of you, Focus on that. Remember that feeling and know that God is right there with you at that moment. And just focus on that again. And it's amazing how much it comes over you and just makes everything okay at that moment. I like that, Christy. That's, uh, I think that's some good advice. Well, that's Anna Green for you. <laughs> <laughs> She's got that Yes, but advice. the fact that then coupled with your testimony <laughs> about it as well really adds it to a whole other level. So we're you know, Brian, yes. the testimony when you're in the midst of a situation like that is often really, really powerful. 
And, you know, when we're ministering to people, we often try not to talk about ourselves that much because we're there to deal with whatever it is that, that they need to deal with. But I've had instances where much of a prayer time has been, has turned out to be me sharing what God did in situations with me and then the Lord using that testimony and that example for the person to be able to find a way to do the same thing and to gain the same level of peace or not worrying or whatever the situation was. Um, and I know you're, before you go on to the next thought, Brian, I'm, I'm thinking about the listening aspect of, again, again, about the pain and listening to the pain. And it occurs to me that when we are doing ministry with someone, one of the most important things for us to do is not only listen to them, but listen to God at the same time, like one ear to their pain and one ear to what the Lord's saying. Because as they're pouring out their pain, often the Lord will reveal just the Bible verse that they need to hear or just the prayer that they need to pray, um, what the generational right is. And as we just listen to them, lots and lots of clues are often released that we can go nail them down and actually give them some real help. You know, whether it's the individual sharing or the individual listening, asking God, okay, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Lord, how do you want me to respond to what this person's sharing? I completely agree. That is the first place we should go. So it's not only then when we're faced with a decision about whether or not to take something on or faced with a decision on how to communicate with someone who's struggling, going to God and saying, Lord, should I take this on? How should I answer? And what, if anything, do you want me to say? If we direct that to God, I believe even in asking the question, it causes a shift closer to God's intention and away from whatever would have happened if we would have been trying to do this on our own. I just wanted to ask um, your opinion on how, you know, you're talking about um, saying yes, saying no. A lot of situations we as friends tend to take on more than we can. So if you're in a situation where a friend asks you to do something, you don't want to say no because you're that type of person who can't say no. And, um, what do you suggest they do? Do they say, hold on a second, let me pray about it? I mean, do you, you know, but if you have a problem letting people down or not letting people down, um, saying no to people, then how would you suggest somebody handle that? Uh, good question. It often starts, I find, with looking at a shift for that person, pursuing God's help to have a shift in how they see themselves and how they see their relationships with others and how they respond. Uh, what you said, I think, sounds like a very good idea to pause for a minute. Hold on. Before I answer, I need to pray about that. When you say a statement like that, that actually will give you some very valuable information about how you should respond because that person will show you what their heart is. For instance, if you have a friend ask you to do some task and you say, hold on a second, 
I need to pray about whether or not I can agree to that. If the person gets mad, starts manipulating, insults you, or say, well, that's ridiculous, or that's silly, it's not that big a deal, what that tells you is that individual doesn't actually respect your opinion. They just want you to do something for you. And that means that is a confirmation that you should say no. If, on the other hand, the person responds and says, okay, it doesn't have to be some eloquent thing like, wow, you are such a godly individual that you would pray. If it doesn't have to go that way, if the person says, okay, then you know, all right, we're on the same level and then you can pray about it. And if you have an awkwardness about saying, I'll pray about it, say, I'm sorry, I cannot agree to that right now. That's the no. Remember, it is a lot easier. I bet you most of you have experienced this. It is so much easier to say no and say yes later than the opposite. And sometimes that means putting the fear of your losing your friendship over to God. Friendships can easily become a burden. Relationships can become a burden where you struggle to maintain the relationship because you're not sure how the person will respond. If you agreeing to do something on just one instance is going to shatter the relationship, then you need to consider, is that relationship worth maintaining or nurturing, frankly? So if you, again, Christy, to reiterate on what you were saying, even if you don't feel comfortable saying, hey, I want to pray about this or I need some time, then go straight to the, I have to say no. And then, or you say, I'm going to think about it or pray about it. You don't have to give an immediate answer. Here's a fact that dovetails with this. You are not responsible for other people's reactions when you are following God's lead. Your goal, each of us goals, is to do our best to seek God, follow his lead to do what he's doing, not to please other people. Frankly, if every individual was all looking to God and doing that, there'd be a lot less disagreements because we'd all be saying, well, God, what do you want to do? Now, that doesn't mean that, okay, well, do we go for coffee or do we go have pie? God, what should we do? <laughs> I don't think there's a problem with asking that level, but that's not necessarily the level of question I'm, th I'm thinking about. What I'm saying is when there are problems, struggles, or issues, if everyone involved all looks to God, the situation will come up much more readily. Barbara, would you like to add in? Yeah, I'm going to brag on you, Brian. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that really impresses me about Brian is in a given situation, he knows exactly what his role is, what he needs to do. He has really good boundaries. And if somebody runs up and says, well, you do X, Y, and Z, and he knows, well, no, that's not part of my role here. I'm not going to drop everything to do X, Y, and Z. Some feathers might get ruffled, but but he's very secure in knowing what he's supposed to be doing. Now, that might not work in every situation and every friendship or whatever, but I think it's very, very helpful to really understand um, what we can do or would we really be stretching the limits to try and take something on 
if we really have a good idea of our gifts, our abilities, the things that the Lord is calling us to do, then it's easier to determine if we can take something else on. So I recommend good boundaries big time. Absolutely. Having good boundaries is a very important part. And thank you for that compliment, Barbara. Something that I have learned to pray, especially when I am running an event, we facilitate dad and I, the academies. And as I'm sure you're not surprised, I am in some technical capacity at any event that we do at Aslan's Place. I have learned to start my morning by praying something along these lines. Lord, help me to respond to situations today the way you want me to. And I tell you, that has caused a very big shift for me. Because I'm a planner. Not only am I a troubleshooter, I'm a planner. And through my experience with the computer service business, with firefighting, EMT, all the diversity of the experiences God has led me in, I can think of a lot of contingencies or problems and solutions. And I have those running around in my head. But I'll tell you, if I hadn't prayed that prayer and someone at an event comes up with something I hadn't thought of, my brain just kind of tilts sideways and I have to reboot my brain in order to figure out what do I do with that, I'll go into a frustrated feeling. It's like, I have no idea this. I can't believe there's something else I have to figure out. But when I start with God, help me to respond to situations, it's like he smooths out the ripples, God does. And so when the unknown comes up, then it's already God saying, I got this. And then we can go from there. And then we all need to remember too, that we're all human too. And we're all going to make mistakes. We're never going to respond perfectly every single time. But the more we keep our conversations on and eyes on God, then I think the better off we are. Christy, would you like to chime in? I just um, think that one thing we need to remember when we are talking about um, being able to tell people no and yes, that um, from experience, um, a lot of times we will tell people yes and yes. And the next thing we know, we're frustrated and then we're mad at them. So I think it's really important that we do listen to what God is saying, Brian, when you say, you know, um, take a minute and let, um, let God do what he wants to do and say, God, how do you want me to handle these situations? Because we do get ourselves into deep trouble. And then we do end up making ourselves angry at that person and um, lashing out at that person because we didn't take the time to stop and ask God what should be done. Right. I completely agree. That has a lot to do with relationships, doesn't it? Where I find that the more we take on, the more burdens we have, that starts to wear us more and more thin. And for me, that's the saying, a straw that breaks the camel's back. You take on so many situations, Christy, in your example, it was more and more from the same person. Any of those events on its own was not a big deal at all, but you end up taking on so much or because you've taken on so much, let's say from work or in your marriage, and then one other situation comes up and then you explode and unleash all the emotion that had been stored up from all the struggles. That is what we want to avoid. And the best way to do that is by 
continually surrendering everything we're carrying over to God, which leads us to the prayer we're going to talk about shortly called releasing burdens. Talking for a moment about the attitude we should have as we wonder what should we do about what we're carrying, whether we should or shouldn't agree, I think that 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 gives us a good frame of reference. And what I want to do is read it to you in the English Standard, and then we'll go from there. In the English Standard, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Oftentimes, when we agree to an issue, it's because we feel we're lower than the person asking, or we're putting ourselves down as a sacrifice of some level, sacrificing our time, money, emotions, mental health, in order to make someone else's life better. What we need to understand is, while we do need to place ourselves at a low standing, we have to understand at the same time which is only true in, in God's kingdom, that we are also ruling and reigning with Christ. So we could actually rewrite, I propose, this phrase along these lines. Make yourselves low, and God will lift you up in his perfect timing. Give the responsibility for your problems to God. He wants you to do this because he cares for you. So we have to watch our attitudes. We might compromise continually because we think that we're supposed to be in a lowly surrendered state. The reality is we surrender to God and then ask God how we should respond to others while keeping in mind everything else that we are called to do. For instance, loving others as um, or treating others as we want to be treated, loving others, but that needs to be a godly love understanding that simply agreeing to everything they want isn't necessarily love. Well, you know, so far we're talking mostly about taking on others' burdens in terms of doing something, but perhaps we need to also talk about taking on other people's pain and just trying to make things better. We cannot carry everybody else's pain. Um, only the Lord can do that. So, that's one of the hard burdens to not take on, I think, because you want the best for the people that you care about or even the people you're ministering to. But if you take on that pain, then you become ineffective. I completely agree, Barbara. And you've given me a perfect segue into some concepts provided in the prayer for releasing burdens. Well, what that's I wanted, good because yeah. I didn't want to take you off track. <laughs> no, not at all. And and really, if I've prayed the way I'm supposed to, if you take us off track and that's where God wants to go, that was a new track, <laughs> then I should be like, whoop, just flow right there. Then right. no problem. So we'll see. <laughs> In my prayer that I've put together, now I say my prayer simply because I type the words, but this is concepts that God's led us to pray about over a very long time. I have these statements. I repent for any time I or those in my family line tried to be a savior to others, 
tried to act as a bridge between others and you, Lord, tried to act as a barrier between others and the enemy. And so to me, Barbara, that speaks to that idea of pain. Sometimes we try to rescue the person, but in doing so, we put ourselves into the position that only Jesus can fulfill. And a few things happen. One, you end up being a false sacrifice. Jesus was already the perfect sacrifice. We don't need to sacrifice ourselves, and it actually causes more harm. You can also then actually prevent the individual from having the help they need because you're in the way. What do I mean by trying to act as a bridge between others and the, and the Lord? Sometimes we will take responsibility for the salvation or godly help in others' lives. And we'll try to get that person to God when really the individual needs to make each of us, as each of us do, a personal decision to surrender to Jesus Christ, invite Christ into our hearts, surrender to God, and then follow him. When we act as a bridge, that means we're trying to be the savior. We'll do everything for that person. We'll try to show them, hey, look how good Christians are, for instance, or you'll allow yourself to be walked on in order to make a person's life better so that perhaps then they'll be in a mental state that would help them come to Christ. And that's frankly how I see that concept. When you try to act as a bridge to others, then you become what a bridge, which means you get walked on, frankly. What happens to bridges? They get walked on and you do not want to be walked on. We are all even equal in Jesus Christ. Bible tells us there is no male or female, no Greek nor Jew, no master or slave. We're all equal in Christ Jesus. So laying our lives down in an ungodly way is only going to cause problems. Now, we, we've got scriptures that can bump into side of this, right? It's like no greater love does one have for another than to lay their life down for someone else. But we need to remember, too, that it's only Jesus who can truly be the sacrifice that fulfills the wages of sin. So we have to watch in any situation to see what God wants to do. Now, in this prayer as well, I have another statement that says, I surrender and give over to you all burdens that are ungodly, worldly, or inappropriate, regardless of whether they were inherited Others placed them on me, or I took them on myself. This little segment of the prayer brings up another concept that hadn't come up so far, and that is the inheritance of burdens. We can have not only iniquity, the consequences of sin, come down on us from our family line, but we can have burdens that come down as an inheritance. Sometimes this is a very real and direct thing. I think of at one extreme would be the Hatfield and McCoy uh, feud type situation where the parents raise their children to hate another group of people and their children are expected to continue that hate, continue the grudge, continue the unforgiveness. When parents do that, they are establishing a burden of inheritance on their children that will weigh them down. Another situation, there's more tangible where 
there could be family debt that is established and that debt's passed on to the next generation. Regardless of whether it's spiritual, financial, or unforgiveness, we are called to be ready to surrender all of that over to God on a continual basis and not carry any of it. Here's another concept in here. We talked about grudges and that concept of Hatfield and McCoys. I have this statement in the prayer. I repent for those who were unforgiving, kept records of wrongs, held grudges, nurtured unforgiveness. I repent for those in my family line who established grudges, feuds, and unforgiveness as an inheritance. So that's underscoring that line. We need to make sure that we are continually forgiving. I need to make a little caveat here. And I believe we've talked about this before in the podcast. When we forgive, we are not condoning actions. What we're saying is we are not holding this over the person. And we're also not going to allow the enemy to use those actions as an anchor or grip point to cause problems. But we still have the concept of boundaries coming into play. In other words, just because we forgive, which we should do, doesn't mean we allow the person we've forgiven to have the same level of access into our lives that they did before. I believe it's completely appropriate to say, I forgive you, but I cannot spend any time around you. You cannot come over. We need to reset our relationship to a different level. We're called to trust God. We're not called to automatically trust other people, I propose. When we forgive, we need to release them from the burden and the debt of the behavior, but that we still use that as a measuring point to see, make sure we don't put ourselves into danger, especially, let alone put ourselves at risk of being harmed or taken advantage of the exact same way. We're often learning more and more about supernatural libraries. The reason I bring that up is we find through discernment that when there is unforgiveness in our life and family line, that establishes ungodly record books supernaturally that are holding on to all of these grudges and all this unforgiveness. The catch is we find the enemy uses those record books against us who were, who were keeping those records. So we've learned to pray along these lines. Lord, please destroy all ungodly record books, including all records of wrongs. When you pray something along those lines, it can also be useful. This isn't in the prayer, but it's kind of a side note. To ask God to destroy all ungodly libraries and to also remove any false or ungodly entries from godly record books as well. Remembering that always, whenever we pray, it's good to be asking God to fill in any blanks and to reveal if there's any other details that the Holy Spirit leads you to pray to expand on any prayer foundation that we provided, always using the Bible as that final test of truth, of course. I do think that you said something really important that I would emphasize or reemphasize in terms of forgiving other people, but setting boundaries in terms of whether they can come back again and do the same thing because as much as you may receive healing and you may be forgiving doesn't mean that the other person who who um, caused the offense is also receiving healing and changing so while you may no longer be 
holding them accountable, they may still be just as dangerous as they were. And I think that I just reemphasize that. I think it's really important, Brian. Yeah, I completely agree. This would never want to be coming across as saying it's like you forgive and then everything's uh, everything is just reset. That's why that phrase forgive and forget is different. It's like forgive and assess could be a better way of putting it. It's like you forgive absolutely and be careful. Forget exactly. Forgive and reassess and and then ask God on again, what should you do in the situation? Absolutely. So I was just saying I feel like it really coincides with codependency because if you tend to um, you know, put these burdens on yourself over and over and over again, you might want to consider the um the root of uh, codependent that you you have a problem letting people down and might need to focus to that generational prayer of ours. No, I agree completely. That actually comes back to a main point where our value, how we see ourselves, needs to come from God and His truth, not on the opinions of others. I actually have a side repentance that we watch for that goes along these lines. I repent for any time I or those in my family line have based my self-image on the opinions of others rather than your truth, Lord. Because if we base our self-image, our self-worth on what others think, then we're going to try to make sure they think happy thoughts all the time, which often means getting into burdens caring on situations, or even getting into relationships that we think we'll feel good about rather than if it's what God has for us. So bringing up that concept with codependency and self-image, very big component, Chrissy, I agree. Let's talk about another aspect within the burdens prayer. It states this, I repent for any time I or those in my family line considered your calling a burden or focused on works and deeds instead of making rest with you a priority. I repent for any time I or those in my family line perceived your calling on our lives as a burden. What do we mean by that? Countless numbers of times I've encountered individuals in generational prayer who are stressed at not fulfilling God's calling in their life or they're stressed because they don't know what God's calling is. And then it goes on from there. Another one that compounds the adventure is it has been prophesied over them that they would do X, Y, and Z, and they haven't done it. And they are now stressed about that. They have not fulfilled what had been prophesied. So let me comment on that one first. Simply because someone prophesies that you are going to do something, that does not mean it's going to happen. What it means is they've delivered a prophecy. And your job is to test that prophecy and then also give it to God. Say, Lord, if this is your will, I accept it. If it's not, then let's just get rid of it. Too often what people say about us, the expectations they place on us, the prophecies they declare end up becoming more of a burden than any kind of encouragement. So what then about callings? There's a very important fact we need to keep in mind. That fact is who and what we are created to do, to be, and what our main purpose here is. 
to do that, whenever we wonder, okay, well, God's, what is God's really intention with this, with our lives? Go back to the beginning, to Genesis. Consider the story of creation. God created everything, including Adam, in six days. And then I may ask you the question, what is the first thing God told Adam to do? Or we could say, what is the first thing Adam did? We would often think about Adam naming the animals, but we need to remember the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested. That means the first action, the first activity that Adam did was rested with God. That is our purpose. God made us to share his creation with us and to fellowship, to spend time with us, to be with him, to rest, not to do things. Our activities, our callings come out of our relationship with God, but they must not be a measurement of that relationship. When we try to measure who we are in God through our actions, that is a burden and we're off track. Yeah, Brian, um, growing up, I was in a very conservative Baptist church, but I kind of learned what many churches seem to push, and that was my value was kind of based on if I was teaching Sunday school or if I was singing in the choir or if I was helping the bus ministry, how many things on the to- church's to-do list were on my to-do list? How many did I accomplish? <laughs> Brian talked about resting be the first thing to do. The, the Lord just really desires intimacy with us. And I remember way back when Jack and I were first married, we were in a young marriage retreat, and all of us were sitting around asking the big question, well, how do we know what God wants us to do in our life? And we none of us had any answers. It took me many, many years to understand that what God wants from me is me. He wants a relationship. He wants intimacy. He wants me to learn to hear his voice. He wants me to press deeper and deeper into him. And all of the ministry things that I do at this point, whether it's writing a book or a prayer ministry or, or whatever, are secondary to relationship with him. And when you get in that kind of a relationship, where you just do a deep dive into God, all of the other questions kind of start getting answered and he kind of starts showing you, okay, this is what I want you to do. And even when you think you know what your calling is, he also has different seasons for different things. So it's not uncommon that the first time I think I have something figured out and it's going really well, he says, okay, that's enough. Now let's do something different. And part of our problem is we get so married to our calling that we forget how to just do what the Father's doing. And that's that's our calling, to only do, as Brian said earlier, what Jesus said, to only do what the Father is doing. I agree. We just had a question online, so I want to transition over to that for a moment. Online, they asked, uh, what if you're involved in a church where the people compete 
to be on top and they treat a person as if they have no value. Well, I tell you, that is a question that requires a little bit of a foundation of concepts <laughs> in order to answer. The first concept would be, we need to remember that we are not called to go to church to be fed. How, I can't tell you how many times people have said, well, I can't find a church where people take care of me. I can't find a church where I'm fed, where I'm learning anything. I uh, Things along those lines. We need to remember that we are called to serve God, not serve a church. You'll see certain circles of Christians moving back to the term ecclesia, which is used in the New Testament. That Greek word meaning a gathering of believers. Too often we can gather around the umbrella of a church or a formal belief system, and that actually leads us to the concept of religion as a burden. But I want to stress something. No one should be treating anyone else as they are less. So when you ask the question, what do I do if, if you're being treated as if you have no value? One, please start from the fact that you have incredible value in the kingdom of God. You are a king. You are a priest. You are ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. Regardless of how you are treated, that is a fact. So that's a good place to start. When you are treated as being less than equal, please rest in God's truth, not in other people's actions. Humans, including pastors, are always going to fall short of our expectations. Why? Because they're human. <laughs> the only one who will never fall short is Jesus Christ. So what are some things you can do in this situation? Well, first you can be praying that God come in power to the group of believers, that he will bring about his truth to everyone there, speak to everyone's hearts so that everyone can keep their focus on the equality that exists in Jesus Christ and not on any kind of hierarchy. I also encourage you to be asking God how you should pray. So you notice I'm not praying about individuals. Praying about changing an individual, I think, can often change the focus when there's an issue of attitude or culture within a group of believers. We are much better off saying, God, take over, every, take over with everyone here, bring all the corrections, and then we need to personally be ready for God to work on us and correct our view, any of our attitudes. Now, in your situation, who's asking this question, I'm not saying anything's wrong with your attitudes, that you're in the wrong or that you or anyone else has anything to correct. What I'm saying is the best solution is always to surrender the entire situation, including our reactions to God. And that's what true and real correction can actually occur. Christy? I just wanted to add that I think it is important that we think about how much of a burden it is to have expectations on somebody also. You know, sometimes um, we as humans tend to um, have expectations. Uh, I, I've, when you guys were talking, all I could think about was being a PK and how everybody would expect stuff of Brian, Corey, and I. A lot of times, um, you know, we weren't living up to our dad. And when um, we ran into the situation um, at the church where things got a little hairy um, with dad and all that fun stuff, um, 
the expectations that were put on dad was a lot. And I think we all need to be really careful not to put expectations on each other and especially our leaders like sacrifice the leader, the book that dad has written. And I think a lot of times people just tend to put these expectations on each other. And that alone is a burden, not only on the individual you're putting the expectations on, but also for ourselves to put expectations on other people it sets us up to be disappointed, except it puts, it puts a burden on that individual also, I believe. I completely agree. So let's reiterate. We have a book in our series called, Past- well, it was originally called Pastor as a Sacrifice when dad wrote it as his dissertation, but that is now called Sacrifice the Leader. It's available on ebook, on Amazon, and from our bookstore and paperback also. Sacrifice the Leader talks about exactly what you brought up, Christy, where you are a pastor or have any position of authority, you end up becoming a scapegoat or a dumping ground for other people's problems. So I encourage any of you, if you find that you are a leader, (laughs) hey, look, I'm a leader. If you find that's true, this book is for you. If you find that you walk in certain levels of authority in your job, or even as a leader of a family or group of believers, this book, Sacrifice the Leader, can really help you. The subtitle is How to Avoid Becoming a Scapegoat. So I think that'd be very valuable. So I want to check with any final thoughts from you, Barbara and Christy. So before we do that, I want to remind everyone on our website and in our 2020 generational prayer book, we have this prayer called Releasing Burdens. To bring up the prayer, you can go to aslandsplace.com and type burdens into the search box. It'll bring it up for you. Remember that you can click on the little print PDF button. It'll reformat that prayer for you so you can actually print it out in a format that's easier to read. And again, it is also in our Generational Prayers 2020 edition, which also is available from our bookstore at bookstore.aslensplace.com and on Amazon. Barbara, do you have any final thoughts before we conclude? I think that the whole issue of releasing burdens and, and laying down your burdens really has also very much to do with faith. And we talk about faith a lot, but it really plays into this subject. So I would encourage people to just find, find the Bible verses about faith that speak to you and start pressing into faith because the greater your faith, the easier it is to hand things off to the Lord. Uh, Christy, any final thoughts? I just think that another thing um, we all need to note is it is okay to say no to um, to people and that to carry that burden is, is a lot to put on ourselves. And we need to remember that no is okay. And so is just taking a minute to really see what God wants to do. Thanks for joining us. The Lion's Den is a production of Aslan's Place Ministry. For more information on Aslan's Place, please visit our website, aslansplace.com. To donate, click the donate button, which is available on the main page. And we hope you'll join us next time in The Lion's Den.